Hello there, guys, and welcome back to the Powerful Performer Podcast, the podcast that's aimed at high-performing individuals to help them build an incredible body, unforgettable confidence, and thriving careers. And throughout these episodes, we've brought on guests I've talked, um, essentially, so you can become the best version of yourself. You can build the best body. You can have the the most up-to-date energy levels, and also you can build the career that that you want. And this conversation has come about because he's come on board with us, Tom has, who we're about to bring on. And we change people's body, we change people's confidence. And then there was some people were struggling in, in auditions. We thought, why not bring Tom on to sharpen their tools so they can become the best version of themselves in terms of acting and, and tools. And my intention for this episode is to talk through what it takes to become a phenomenal actor. And I have this motto that goes, you aren't just born successful. And I think a huge myth for people is that you're either born rich, you're born the fastest person on earth, you're born the most truthful actor ever. And the truth of it is you have to work at these things. You have to work at the tools. You have to learn to become present. You have to learn to find the truth in a scene. You have to learn to bench press three times your body weight. There's a, there's a really interesting story about Usain Bolt that he ran 100 metres, but he had a certain coach and he wasn't being the fastest person on earth. He changed coaches. He really dialed in on his nutrition, on his training, on his plan. And all of a sudden he becomes the fastest man ever to run 100 metres, which just shows. And Ronaldo, the footballer, is exactly the same. So we're going to bring Tom on now, and we're going to talk about what it takes to become a phenomenal actor. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Two, two Toms. Chatting. How are you? Good, thank you. Two Toms shine. Good, thank you. I was, um, I'm here in New York, and we were just having a little chat about uh, air conditioning, weren't we? Very, very... <laughs> we were. <laughs> Drying the throat out. <laughs> it's, it's equally so where are you? You're in New York, and, and what are you doing at the moment? So I'm in New York. I've been in the States for just um, over two and a half months. I was in LA for two months. Um, so I mainly uh, coach actors online, and uh, it, but I do do in-person coaching. Uh, so it was an amazing opportunity. Now uh, travel is a little bit easier to get over to the States. Um, I've got clients in New York, I've got clients in LA, as well as London and in Europe. So it was great to run some workshops with um, some of my clients in America, also meet some new clients. And I've got some uh, collaborations and projects with some managers over here and some companies over here. So it was kind of like a nice chunky opportunity to come over. But I can also bring my, you know, UK clients with me on my laptop so that's been yeah so, so just to give like people a short snippet what kind of things are these management companies or these film sort of producers what what sort of stuff are they asking you to do maybe it's an actor that's bringing you on onto a film set like why is that essentially it's a little bit like like a personal trainer I see isn't it like you're there with them guiding them through the process absolutely so you know I'll um I'm an acting obviously and performance coach I mean I've worked in theatre for the last 10 years as, oh, well, 16 years, five as a performer, um, and then like 11 as a director. And I've always coached on the, uh, uh, along the side of that, you know, I've always taught, I've always been helping actors with, you know, um, their audition prep and then, or, or prepping for roles, um, especially for film and TV, where, as you know, you don't get as much rehearsal. Um, you don't mm. get as much time. I mean, some directors give you a lot of time, um, and obviously, television and film is so um, intense. It can be very quick, um, but it can, it's also very demanding. And 
you know, it is quite usual, especially in the US, more than the UK, to have coaches. Um, in the UK, we... Why do you think that is? I think it's because of the drama school system that we have in the UK, which is a little bit more of the, the route. That it's not the only route, mm -hmm. of course, but it is a route that most actors do go down in the UK. So I think there is a, a mindset, actually, um, of I've done my training, and because I've done my training and I've either spent all that money on training or I've had a scholarship or whatever, I've gone through that training and now I don't need to keep training my acting because the idea is just to work. And, and of yeah. course, working, getting into um, shows, into film and television shows is going to obviously make you grow as an actor. But there is just, I think, a mindset in America that you keep going and you keep training, that managers and agents expect you to be in class, they expect you to mm. be coaches. Now, don't get me wrong, I have a lot, a huge um, client list in the UK, so there is obviously people who coach, but I think it is culturally a little bit more part of it. Right. And I think because of television and film being, there's so much more produced there, there is a need for it, you know. Um, so I, I work, right. like you said, sometimes I'm brought in by an actor, and I will be working with them on their preparation for self-tapes or working with their preparation for uh, scripts or getting them into character, you know, really, really helping them support, you know. And, and actually, I was working with someone in, in the US who is very, very young. And it's also to help with that workload and that pressure when you don't have a four-week rehearsal process, you know. So when you're looking to right. pick character, when you really want to get that character into your body, but you don't have that rehearsal process, how do you do that? Now, you can do that on your own, but I think just like you talk about a lot, and I listen to your podcast, and I'm, obviously we've been talking for a while, is no one really does anything on their own. So whether it is a company, a manager, or the actor themselves, there is this um, idea, more in America, I think, of investing in yourself to be the best you can be, and acting coaching very much comes into that. Mm. I, when you said that, it, it's it, the, the phrase strikes me that if you're not evolving, you're you're devolving. Even when you think you're maintaining, so like even if you go to drama school and you think that you've learned all the the tricks, if you're not constantly progressing your your mindset or you're progressing, you're actually devolving. It's the same with the body. Often people think that they're going to get in incredible shape and actually I'm just going to maintain this now. But if you have the mindset of maintaining it, your body is actually devolving because you need to be putting more stress and stimulus on the body, which is causes it to evolve. And essentially that's what I get that you're saying with, with actors, that if you just have the intention of, all right, I've learned all there is to know it, you're actually, dare I say it, getting worse. But you then have the experience of working, you have the experience of going into new shows, which is more stimulus, which makes you um, uh, evolve. But if you're constantly not doing anything and, and not in work at the moment, I suppose that's when there is a need to like, really train up the, the tools, the mindset, the body, all that sort of stuff. C completely. I mean, it's exactly that. And I love what you have to say about training the body, because I think it's the same. I think of acting as a muscle. It's something that needs to be trained. It needs to be evolved. You also are changing alongside i'm very handsy so uh, viewers so listeners won't be able to see but i'm sort of going as you evolve as a human and your experience as a human evolve the tools and techniques that you used when you were like maybe coming out of drama school may not be working now you know um or, mm, or not even that that's very much the case for me right okay yeah so that so, and the material that you're getting is shifting and changing 
And also, um, there is a sense of, of course, doing. I'm always like, do play more. Do play more. Keep doing, keep playing. It's, I have a little um, uh, phrase, a quote I use. It, it's a play, not a think. You know, we're, we're, you're performing in a play, not a think. And I think mm. that's a sense. And I think because of the lifestyle of actors, the demands that are put on them, the, the need to be able to be ready all the time, it it's, can be hard to carve out that space for the self-development of your craft, let's call it. And I mm. work very holistically. So I work on the mindset. I work on where you are in your life right now, matched with where your craft is. You know, I work with actors, you know, from young actors to very successful, experienced actors, you know, people would know. And, and it's always the same. It's never different. It's just the stakes are slightly different or the context is slightly different. But it's exactly what mm. you said. I, you can get very stagnant. And the pandemic was a time when there was so much, you know, almost like collective trauma for actors because there was that fear of especially theatre and stage actors that, you know, we're never going to work again or we're not going to be able to do what we do and that creates a stagnancy which I think like you said is not good for growth. Mm. So you said that you were like an actor before coming an acting coach when you were an actor and you were a dancer in musical theatre and you can talk more more about that what were the things within the industry or within drama school that you really struggled with that you maybe thought were a myth or that you wanted to overcome becoming an acting coach because I know we talked the other day when you came and did the first part one of the masterclass and it was really interesting to hear what you thought were the challenges be becoming an actor or drama school and all that sort of stuff oh so much we could do a whole podcast on that couldn't we and i'm sure i have, have everyone on <laughs> maybe that. we'll bring you back no no, no no not that people necessarily want to hear just my journey but others um well like i've i've said so just to give a bit of context yeah i trained at um arts ed uh, I got um, which is I believe where you went as well, but I think there's many years between us. Um, and then um, worked for about five years. Which is school in London for people sort of listening elsewhere. Yeah, yes. uh, one of the top top drama schools in London. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I went to a you know, and I'd, acting had been my main focus since a kid. I'd got into Shakespeare very very young. I had a good teacher um, who got me into that. And then I went to drama school. Thought I'm going to do singing, dancing, and acting. And I was a very insecure person there. Um, I was very um, in my head. I felt very overwhelmed by the, the talent pool around me. Like it was, a, you know, that bit, that small fish in a big pond, you know, it was really mm. quite, I found it very intimidating. So I was constantly in my head. I had some amazing teachers. Also, I had not some amazing teachers. It was a while ago and the teaching style wasn't great. There was a lot of fear-based teaching at the time. And I just was so stuck in my head and that kind of, I think, creativity, that playfulness, and I know this is a lot because I speak to a lot of actors about this, so it's quite common, I think, like, disappeared slightly. My training, you know, got, got to a good standard. So I became, you know, employable, let's say, and I did, you know, musicals like Mama Mia, you know, Seven by Seven Brothers, and I did some plays. And while also I was doing some plays, um, I worked as a movement director on a play, um, I started to get really interested in... Um, why other actors weren't in their heads? What was it about them that meant they weren't in their mm. heads, that they were free, they were sort of like coming from a place of being embodied? I could always, I could really see that and I became more interested in that. And that became a little bit of a quest of mine. And then so much of a quest that I was more interested about how to help other actors get out of their heads <laughs> than I did, you know, for myself. And, and actually then became much more interested in 
storytelling, the bigger picture. As an actor myself, I couldn't help but like criticise myself or jump out, try and self-direct. Mm. So I then actually became, went into directing then and, and you know, uh, made, made me theatre uh, for, for 10 Would years. you say that's the biggest challenge that you see and experience is that actors are, are two in the head, which enables them to stop creating and playing? Absolutely. If you think about any brilliant performance you've watched, whether it's um, on film or television, watch, start thinking, actors out there, start thinking about what is it that makes that performance great or exciting or believable or connected or authentic. And I think nine times out of ten, it is they are completely embodied. They are, it is as if they are operating from the actors, sorry, the characters' instincts and intuition and response and reaction and all of that stuff is about like full embodiment, you know. We use mm. our... We, maybe we'll talk more, sorry, maybe we'll talk more about it in a minute, but w- what would you say is the, is the biggest thing to, to get someone out of, out of their head? Oh, uh, there, there's, there's, there's lots of different ways, I think, actually. And I work very much one-to-one with actors to tap, her, tap into what's in their way. What's, you know, what we want to do is right. we want to go, what's... You need to the individual. Yeah, what's in the, ca- what's in the actor's way? We need to get that out of the way. So then we can find what's in the character's way. Because a great story and a great character is always going to have stuff in the way, obstacles to overcome. But the problem is sometimes there's obstacles in the actor's way and obstacles in the character's way. And that can be anything from, you know, bad experiences, um, notes at drama school that have stuck with them. That's something I come up, come up with a lot mm. in my session. Even with really successful actors, they still remember that teacher that said something that was really blocking wow. for them. Um, uh, a sense of vulnerability, a sense of um, understanding the neuroscience of it. Now, I'm not saying everybody um, needs to go and study neuroscience, although it's very interesting. But the, w- the way that, you know, the body remembers so much more than the mind if used in the right way. And a lot of great practitioners in the, the training that I did, which is when I went and like retrained, actually, when I went to be a director, I retrained in acting and I went and studied with um, someone who had done a lot more of the Eastern European way of working and the later Stanislavski stuff, which is like active analysis. So you're using your body to analyze. So you're tapping into what that feeling is and like what what does an, what does an objective feel like in the body? What does a belief mm. feel like in the body? So we're putting much more focus on that. We're using our minds to dissect a character, but we're using our body to really analyze it. If that's not too abstract, I've heard you say. Yeah, no, because I've heard you say that's why you, some of the best actors in the world are, are, have come from a dance background, you said, because they're very used to feeling it with their body. And I think something I used to do, I, I couldn't go into an audition or couldn't do a scene unless I had mentally dissected the whole script almost too much. It was almost like blocking me, which I was the same as, as you and a lot of people. It's like, how are they so playful? How are they so creative? How are they not in the head? And I remember hearing a YouTube video of Mark Rylance, and if anyone hasn't gone to see Jerusalem at the moment in the West End, then it's obviously a masterclass. But he was like, it, you should be playing. If it's not fun, if you're not playing, then, you know, there's something wrong there. And I never got that. I never, like, it was all, all very serious of course, for me. Of course, and it can be really serious. And I went through a very serious stage. I mean, I went through training, like, in Russian techniques and getting very, very serious about it, which is, was really helpful for me. And analysing and dissecting and all of that stuff is really important because we need to use our heads to dissect and find what 
what the character says about themselves, other people, all of that information, that data. I look at it like data collection that we can then play mm -hmm. with. And I love that you use Mark Rylance because when I was training as a director, the, the previous production of Jerusalem um, was on in the West End and I was an usher. And I had this incredible opportunity to watch the show many times. And he played so much, but it was because the core of that character was in his body. He was living, breathing that character. And I think, I don't know how he got there, It's but however he got there, was it, it got him to a place of complete embodiment that you could throw something at him and he knows what that character could do, that, that character would do. And he was testing the other actors, not in a, not Mark wasn't testing, but the character was. And I think um, mm. that comes from understanding and having a process to get all that text work into the body. And I would say that's something that I do come up a lot with actors. They go, I remember all this from drama school. I'm trying to do all this. I understand how to dissect it. I understand the character, but I don't then know how to use those techniques to then show up for a self-tape, you know, to get, mm. and also get that into a short space of time. You know, actors have like, what, 24 hours sometimes to get into the body of the yeah. character. And I've now, I work with actors a lot of the time to create a mini rehearsal process for yourselves, right? So you can be embodied to whatever um, degree that you need to be. Because it's, yeah, for me, it's everything. So on that, how important is technique, methods and process to an actor, to a director, to a performer? Great question. Sorry, I was just having a sip of water. Um, so I think it's process is essential. If we think about anything in life, we don't just jump out of bed and then run onto the street and go about our day. We, <laughs> we wake up, we, we have you know, our coffee or we meditate or we do whatever we have. And then we do the next part. We do the next part so we're ready. And I learned an amazing um, little term when I was training. I was, my, my mentor, Ellen Bowman, um, when, I was, when I was retraining in directing practice and like late, later Stanislavski stuff, was she watched a, uh, a documentary by the Navy SEALs. And they, were, they kept using this term, slow, smooth, fast. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And it's a and it's that when the Navy SEALs are going in to um, carry out an operation and remove a target, they are slow. They assess where their target is. They smoothly so so they're they're in their slow mode. Then they smoothly approach, just like a, a cheetah or a predator, you know, uh, finding its prey. And then they're fast and they pull out. They they remove the target. You mm. know. And that really helped me because I was very naturally a fast person myself. I still am. But that is process in itself. right? And essentially, that's what a good rehearsal process should be. Slow at the beginning, smooth as we get through, you know, to week three. And then week four, we're kind of moving at fast, uh, at fast pace. So I think every actor needs to develop that type of process for themselves so they understand what they need to do. Now, some actors, and there's, Actors who've been doing it for so long, I think, they don't understand what their process is. And that's okay because they don't need that. There's, so I don't think it's what the process is, but it's understanding that you have a step-by-step -step process that you at least can feel in, you can have autonomy over your craft so that then you can really play because whatever's happening in your body, whatever, you know, you are prepared and that preparation is in you. And I talk a lot about being in the body, but that can only happen if you allow time. And 
when I work with actors, for example, on a self-tape, um, I get them to do a slow read of the text, so slowly, they're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know how we're going to have time to get everything else in the character work and everything else. Like, it's trusting that if we put our body into a state of slow <laughs> and ready to take in the information, the details, we'll be able to take in so much more, therefore it will stay with us, rather than if we go, oh my God, I've got to learn my lines, I've got to do this, I've got to get my objectives, I've got to do this, set up and then film. We can't expect that of our bodies. So, um, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Why is that slow process important? Because I've also heard you talk about, you know, if you were taking a rehearsals, you'd have people sat around a table for a while, like really digesting it. Why would you say the slow process to start with is so important? And if some, you were a quick actor, like why it's really important to slow that down? Look, hey, if you're a really fast actor and you don't need to slow down at the beginning and you're still feeling confident, embodied in the, and... and and you're able to play and be in that room, brilliant. Like, you know, everybody is different. And that's something I've worked with a lot of um, young people with um, special educational needs over the years. So I've always been really interested how we process information. But why I think the slow process at the beginning is really important is it gives us time to listen to that and to really read. Think about skim reading. Have you ever seen, ever received one of those emails with the uh, words all jumbled up, but you can still make sense of it? It's because mm. of the way we read naturally as humans is that we skim read. We read a word and we read like the third word and then we put that all together. Our brain, our neurons are organizing based on the information that we've known already. But when we're playing a character, which we need to understand almost as much as we understand ourselves, or actually even more, because a lot of the time a character's leading from their subconscious or unconscious, we need to take in every single bit of information. Not so we have to hold on to every single piece of information, but at least see what's there. So if we're approaching a script or a character, and we're not really slowing down and allowing our body and our mind, excuse me, <clears throat> earlier here, um, to take in that information and receive it, then later down the line, when we're going at pace, things are going to fall off. Things are going to fall apart. That's why the slow part of the process, whilst it can feel a bit scary because you haven't got as much time, maybe overall, but giving ourselves the perception of, time, of more time helps the body taking the information. And would you say someone like Mark Rylance or like Judy Dench, some of the greats who are able to, to play, I've heard Judy Dench is also very, very playful on stage, almost like, you know, sort of a wink wink to the actor which is, is very fun do you think that's part of them having that core character because they're taking it so slow or it's like so deep rooted within their body that it then enables you to play be in the moment um and, and sort of be truthful yeah i think so i mean i've actually i i i know people have worked with judy dench and i think if they um will say to her like what's her process she sort of doesn't talk about her process as much because she has been doing it so long but i can only imagine because of the work that she's done over the years in theatre and, you know, the amount of Shakespeare and classical texts, which, like, for example, think about a Shakespeare piece. You can't cram learn a Shakespeare piece because there's words in it that we don't understand. So the level of attention that she probably gives to every piece of text at the beginning is that, which helps her create a character that she really understands and feels. And that's what's important. We're allowed... We want to be feeling as our characters and then thinking second, mm. right? And I think someone like Judy Dench is very emotionally connected to what she does. She probably allows her time to 
connect to the words emotionally. We've got to give ourselves time. We've got to understand the relationship between the different words on the page. And I think if we don't give ourselves enough time as actors, we're not going to be able to have a relationship. Hey, it's like dating. If you rush your mm. first date, how are you going to get to know the other person? It's yeah, everything. Yeah. We're in relation with everything around ourselves. And in a very fast world, and I do not think for one second, I am not someone who has to actively work on all of this myself. In fact, I always think as a coach, one of the things I'm constantly doing is working what work, trying to test out what works for me and then see if that can work for an actor um, in life as well as, 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 well as mm. craft. But we're in a fast world with distraction. Unfortunately, our attention spans are shorter because of the, the way we consume information. So as actors, when we need to go back to text and really get it into, like I said, our bodies and use that text, we need to slow ourselves down. And I imagine some of the actors who have been doing it for a long time, they lived in a slower time, so they were able to do that a bit more. Right. Because mm. we have something on, on my programme, uh, the first 12 weeks of training is called the build phase, and it's all about building the right foundations to then build a, a tall skyscraper. And essentially, I, I feel what you're saying is, the slower the process, the stronger the foundation to then build a character, have a long-term run, feel freer, more natural, more truthful in front of camera. That's kind of what I'm what I'm getting. Completely. I use the how build the house. You can't put the the interior and the roof on without the floors. So the slow part mm. is the floors. And you can still do that even within a 24-hour um, window. Yeah. You can carve yeah. a, a good two hours of focus slow time is much better than like, you know, three hours really trying to move fast and trying to do it. And also uh, moving slowly means you can do a couple of things at once because you're learning mm. your lines as well as you're dissecting the character, as well as you're visualizing. And also that's going to say another thing about imagination is your imagination as an actor is your, is your strongest asset as well as your body, I suppose. And the imagination needs time to stretch. I always think our imagination operates at a certain level and by slowing down we can really stretch our imagination and it can collect right. more that's why i talk about feeding your imagination as much as you can and ideally not with social media even though we all do it here hands up but with other um things that inspire you because the more you stretch your imagination the easier it's going to be to i think uh have relationships with characters that come come your way just off that, to, um, to digress a little bit, say if you've got a character, I once played a serial killer, third year art set in a play called Roberta Zuko. If you haven't got that in your imagination, how would you go about that? Is it about, well, you can answer that. Yeah, I mean, so if you're playing something that's, well, this is what I love about, so I work with the belief system of the core generalised beliefs of the character. And so I always start from there. Well, I start from imagery and what the words are saying, but then I start with, okay, what are the beliefs? And I always want to go, okay, what, what does the text give us about the beliefs of the character, right? And then from doing that, we start to see what similar beliefs we share, what similar, similar beliefs we don't. Because we say the word serial killer, but what is that? That is a human who is committed, who has been maybe trialed or committed for crimes or whatever the context of the story. So we want to be starting with that human first. And we actually, so I would want to remove serial killer from, from that, find out about that human within, and then really 
pay attention to what in this piece, play, script, that would mean that someone with this set of beliefs that we can see or this set of um, attributes would go on to do that. And if that's a block for us as an actor, because we can't even imagine how we can get there, because obviously as actors our job is to empathise, or your job is to empathise, we then need to then fill that in. So then that's where research comes in, I think. That's where we need to look outside of ourselves. If we just go, I don't understand how someone could get to that point, and the script isn't giving me that, we understand in the Scottish play how he actually gets to that. But if you just read right. that on a, on a newspaper cutting, you might go, because Shakespeare gives us that, um, his motivation, but... And, and the circumstance. But if you read that on a, mo uh, on, a, on a newspaper, you know, King is killed by, you know, certain, you know, that, um, and so funny, I'm even so suspicious, like, not to say the, the name of the play, even though I'm not even in theatre. Um, <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying, you know, so it's about yeah. filling in then your gaps in your imagination, and that's where research comes in, and that's where... Mm. Um, talking to different people and understanding and also widening your pool. It's one of the big things I say to actors is, are you just, you're in, in your environment, is your environment just surrounded by actors? In your, spare, in your spare time, are you just around actors? And look, got so many actor friends myself, of course, wonderful. As creatives, we love that. But if you want to be a really great actor and you're, you want to be stepping outside of your environment, so like, Join a political group, join a um, volunteer group, join, um, go to something that's maybe an, another interest you have where you're going to meet other types of humans, not on the chance that you'll meet like a serial killer, <laughs> but so you can start to yeah. be more curious about the way other people work outside of your own parameters. Um, mm. if, if, I think that can really help stretch. And, and curiosity is key, you see. And if you follow that curiosity you're going to be building your toolbox of ideas and people and yeah. characteristics. Because I guess it's, ha it's, it's coming to the conclusion of how that character has got to that stage, rather going, they're crazy, they're a serial killer. That's, I suppose, a, a, um, an assumption. But I suppose if you're actually playing that, you need to get to the bottom of why do they want to kill everybody for instance yeah and also yeah and usually if it's well written it will there'll be motivation but it's also anybody's capable of anything i always say that i always think of her character and if anybody is capable of anything mm. then how did that person come to be and that's why those origin stories are so popular because we see alphabet let's say become the Wicked Witch of the West, or we see, you know, how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader? You know, that's why we're, obs we're interested by that. So I always right. think if you apply curiosity from this origin story, and yeah, remove labels, labels are not useful, not for you when you're playing the character, because you're inside that character, it's coming from inside out. So mm. your viewpoint of the world as that character is very different. And I think that's where empathy comes in. And also I think it really helps to not, you know, there's sometimes I've had over the years, um, actors say, I don't want my, I want them to like my audience, the audience to like my character. Well, that, I think that's impossible. And also definitely not the job of the actor to get the audience to like them. Because, I mean, we can't control feelings of anybody else. I mean, most people in a relationship will know that. Like, you know, like, so let alone a whole theatre of people or a whole audience watching, you can only play the truth of that character. So what is, to, when people say play the truth, playing those 
experiences, those objectives, the beliefs, what are the beliefs of that character? That's the character's truth. The context they're in, you know, um, and what they're impacting against or, or up against creates the drama, if it's good, if it's good writing. But your job as the actor mm. is just purely to go, what is, what is it from their point of view? And there's lots of different ways to do that. Amazing. So, so at the moment, you are now almost a little bit like myself. You are supporting actors and you're supporting the performance world. You are not in it. Are there any lessons about the industry that you're like, I, I, I need to share that with, with my actors or I've fell into that trap? I'm now seeing it from the outside. I need to let them, I need them to become aware of that. Like lessons about the industry, essentially. Yeah, and myths. And look, I come from a place of, there's a couple of things I say that I think, and just to give some context for those at home. So I worked as a director on new writing. So I worked off West End and directed new plays. And some of them, you know, went to Edinburgh Festival, toured regional theatres in the UK, and went to Off-Broadway. So I was kind of really focused on new writing and storytelling and, and directing and that side of myself. And then later on, I mean, I, like I said, I originally done some musical theatre and then went and retrained in as a director and then new plays and new stories became my focus but then I went back into musical theatre actually and became a um an associate and a resident director on, on on musicals and I learned so much about actors on that because I it wasn't just my responsibility to get like it used to be to tell the best story and get the actors to a best place where they're doing a run for four weeks let's say in a in a play or six weeks but it was actually to maintain actors' performances over a long period of time. Mm. And that's where I, you know, I'll be com like completely brutally honest. The parts of the job I loved as being a resident associate was helping the understudies get to that performance or helping the actors maintain their performance. It wasn't telling people where to stand. In fact, I'm not good at telling people where to stand because I don't know where people stand. <laughs> I can never remember. It's written down somewhere. But I don't think that was the best use of my skills. Mine was getting yeah. into a place where they could feel they could get to their best. And I studied over those, like, one show I worked on for 18 months, like, what are the pitfalls? And I think, so f from being on that side of the industry, and I still do direct and do my own work, I'm just doing less of it. The pandemic was a, a pivot for me, like many people, to go, okay, TV and film is expanding. There's a lot of stage actors are getting seen. They need a process for television and film. What, that's a world I'm going to step into as well. But um, so, so like you say, coming out of that and having been in theatre, been in the industry, you know, lots of casting directors, I think there's a three myths that I um, have noticed and I really try and encourage. Okay, that everybody knows what they're doing. Nope. Everyone's just making it up with the experiences that they have. We as, an, as a human are a collection of experiences. There is no authority. If what makes sense to you and makes you feel good, and um, if, if what I'm saying makes sense to you, makes you feel good, makes you feel liberated and confident to do, great. But if it doesn't, that doesn't mean that I am, you, you are not good because you're not getting my process. That means you need another coach. And I think what... Or, or, or my coaching isn't for you. And I think what happens in the industry is this person has the word director attached or choreographer attached and that we, we put them on these pedestals. And I'm, I'm not on about respect. I mm. think mutual respect is extremely important and we respect people's experience. I do. 
And, you know, there's times I've probably been in, in a directorial position and I've said something that wasn't, you know, right and, and I've, I've made a mistake. And But I should be challenged on that because I'm a human like everyone else. And I think that's one of the problems in the industry. So one of the things I'm trying to help actors is, is find that inner confidence and support so they can think of themselves as adults in those environments. Mm. There is sometimes, and I think it's systemic. Hierarchy isn't the sometimes which can stop people really delivering their, their best. And, it, and from being on the side as a creative, that doesn't help anyone. Yes, when you're leading a group of people, everyone needs a leader and people need to listen. There has to be some sort of organisation and hierarchy. But someone should always feel they can say something, ask something, you know. And, and I think it's that infantile nature that sometimes can happen with the creative mm. actor, which isn't good for anybody. So a lot of me now with my support... Is that crossing from drama school, do you think? Do you think that's sort of linked over? You know, when you get your first agent and you've got those teachers at drama school and you're almost a little bit fearful and then into the actual real world, there's always that, like, infantile character, like you said. Yeah, I think it's that and I think it's scarcity mindset that there are not enough jobs for everyone because we are told that. There is enough jobs out there. There will be. Now, it's a hard industry, it's tough, but if you want it, you'll find that job some time, somewhere, with yeah. patience. And you can create it. And you can create Everybody it. Everybody needs entertainment. Yes, <laughs> creating and I love this new generation of makers and creatives as myself I think yeah absolutely but it's it's feeling it's all about I think the fact that the you know maybe it comes from a sense of practitioners and authoritative people which you know people need authority people want to be told what to do I think at drama you need school you need to be challenged and pushed I want to be challenged and pushed I have a business coach and I have a, a mentor myself because I, I can't do what I do without help. I want them to challenge me. I want them to call me out. I want them to see what I'm missing. I want them to help me be a better creative and coach. Mm. But I think what I don't do with my coaches, I don't think that they are, you know, people that cannot be held accountable or cannot be. And that's because of confidence and age and, you know, and, and finding that myself. But I know when I was a young actor, when I got out, I just, you're told you're lucky to be there. There's everybody, there's someone who looks like you standing next to you who's ready for the job. And whilst mm. there is truth in that, there is no one else with your unique collection of experiences. You are literally a unique scientific, you know, um, miracle. Mm. And I don't mean that in a kind of like, you know, existential way or way. Like it's just truth. So you're, and Energy is everything. So you as that energy going into that room, if you can learn to have control and, con not control, sorry, have confidence and autonomy over your individual uniqueness, it's going to help you not fall into the, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, they're better than me, they look like me, they will always get that job. All the things that I think the industry, unintentionally as well, intentionally, you know, um, is filled with. And that's that scarcity mindset thing of I've got to hold on to, to this one job because I'll never get a job again. And whilst I think, you know, we should all be kind and respectful and, you know, be um, mindful that it is a tough industry and patience is one of the big things I think we all have to learn. There is enough for you because creative opportunities, like you just said, Tom, can be created by you. And look at some of the most successful people that have, you know, had, you know, worldwide success recently. They've created them themselves. So I don't know if I went off on one, but mm. it's this sort of like... No, it's good. ...myth of that. And then the other thing I would say just as just one thing for 
actors is the you have no idea. I hear a lot of actors go, oh, they're looking for this, or they, they want this, or they want this. Most of the time, especially good creatives, I think, whether whatever genre you're in, what I'm learning from spending most of my day working with actors and, and also have been on the side of hiring and audition acts myself is you want to be surprised. You don't know what you want in that room sometimes till you see it. So I think a lot of actors write themselves off before they go into the room. So what I try and encourage them is to be really mindful of when they're going up for a job, what they want to get out of that experience. Because if they are mindful of that and they know that they want to go and show the creative team what they can do or the person at the end of the self-tape exactly what they can do with a role and make a bold choice that's, that's appropriate or feels right for them, that should be enough. And that's my aim. I want every actor to do an audition and walk out the door and go, do you know what? I don't know what they want, but I've given them a version of that. And nine times out of 10, that, well, first of all, it makes you feel good about what you've done and you've not just given something over. You've actually done something for yourself, which is always important. But you've also grown and you've also um, given the, or the panel or whoever's auditioning you casting director, an opportunity to actually see what you can do rather than giving half versions of things that you mm. think they want or they don't want or, oh, well, I know I'm not right for this anyway. So, you know, um, that's a myth. I, think. I don't know about people listening listening to this, but I've had it where, you know, it's been press night or there's been an audition or you've, you've done a self-tape and you've done the best that you can possibly do. So you don't even care what people think because you're like, do you know what, that, that was... That was the one for me. So then there's like a security and like, I know what I can do. So if you don't like what I did, that's, that's all right because it's art, it's down to taste. But I, I think when we can get fearful and like, oh my God, did I do a good job? It's because we're not fully confident in maybe our process or what we delivered. So I, I totally get what you just said then. That was a much more succinct way of saying it. I, uh, <laughs> and I think that's really good. And I think, <laughs> well, it's because you fed me there. No, 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 it's great. But it's all of that. It's all of that because really I always think, what else do we have than ourselves and our craft and our own creativity, really? And to, and I say this because I've done all of these things myself and learnt and not booked jobs and, you know, let's say that we use the word failed, failed on my ass many a time and gone, you know, oh, okay, and now I only are starting to understand that. And what I want to do is help actors get to that stage earlier in their careers, Rather, not go through the stuff mm. that I had to. I'm not a big believer of, well, it was hard for me, like it should be harder for you. You know, no, no, let's make things better. Let's make, because then the creative teams are getting to see. You remember when you walk in that audition room or you send that tape off, the creative team want to see someone they can book pretty much straight away mm. because time is energy and money, right? And, um, you know, they, they want yeah. that. And yes, there are nightmare stories. There are people on power trips. There are people who, you know, there are the elements of the industry that are like that. But in my experience, and I've got some really close collaborators and friends, I trained at the National Theatre and met some incredible people when I was on the director's course there who were doing wonderful stuff as directors. And we talk about this a lot. Is like, they all just want the best people who are, who are brilliant, mm. you know. As you're saying that, I'm just imagining a, pool, a, a large pool of actors who are all confident within themselves or with great energy and can you imagine what that would look like for all auditions they'd be like 
like, wow, we're finding it hard to choose. We can mix and match. Like, instead of maybe just getting one person coming who's, who's super confident, like, that's surely where we're all aiming to be, isn't it? Just totally secure within ourselves. I love that. And I love that I'm on the opposite of a cynic about this. I really want to create a better world in lots of different ways. And, and, and that doesn't mean I am perfect at all and not contributed to that because we all are in this world where we're all trying to survive and, and make it work. But I agree. Imagine that. Like, there's been some really awful things happening in the industry where, at the moment, um, on I've seen online of people tearing people's performances down and things like that. And I'm like, oh, it, may, I mean, it literally makes my body go, no. Like, of course, we care about what we do. We can all have an opinion. We can all think that's not good. You know, we've all... And it's good to have those opinions and form them because it helps you be critical. I'm a big believer in encouraging critical thinking. However, my the thing I always ask, when someone is angry about another person's success or, or wants to tear someone down it's it's usually because they are that that there's a mirror in front of them and it's reflecting something they don't like in themselves back and I think that is a very human trait and I think we need to be compassionate with ourselves but we need to work on that stuff in a in, a, in an industry that is where competitiveness is fueled I think I don't know what you think about this Tom but I think it's great to understand who your peer group is and you know, and you're casting an understanding, although if I'm really honest, and I say a lot of things that probably are quite unpopular with maybe even some casting directors, but I don't really believe in casting brackets because thank goodness they are getting busted mm. and and yeah. and, and that we're not where we need to be, but we we are the the opportunities are being expanded, which means the opportunities totally. then can be for everybody and there is it we're gonna be in yeah. a world that isn't so it's rigid. all fake anyway, so... It's all fake? It's not real. I always, we buy into it all. I always so say right. the industry isn't real. And then some people are like, it's quite disrespectful to the industry. And it's like, it's not, but it actually isn't. Um, and that's why I love Homo Sapiens. I don't know if anyone's read that book, um, because they talk about the creation of corporations and industries and things like that. And yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't actually tangibly exist. So I say that with fun, yeah. because I think, yeah, if we could all just kind of go, it's really important what we do. And it's really important for us to, in the same way as training your body, in the same way as looking after yourself, put everything and commit to it, but at the same time, not allow ourselves to get locked into the, the ideas of an industry that was created by people who, some of them are not even around anymore. You know, so I think mm, um, mm. it's that balancing act of, you know, and I think that's why having friends and colleagues who are older than you and also younger than you help. I learned so much from generations that I mean, like, a, I think we're called geriatric millennials, which is really funny. Um, but um, <laughs> I learned so much from Gen Z and, and young people like I've always worked around young people and they teach me so much. And I think if we were as, a, as, as actors, if you can surround yourself with different ages as well, that's going to help you expand and you're not going to get so locked into this is the way things are right now. Does that, does mm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have to uh, lock it off in, in a couple of minutes. But but last question, and, and I've sort of put here, like, what does it take to become a, a phenomenal actor? And I suppose that is different for everyone. But with on my, my training we, and, and changing, transforming your body and energy, we talk about non-negotiables. And if you want to change your body and energy, there's certain things that you must be doing every single day in order to, to transform your, your body and energy. What would you say or narrow it down to like the non-negotiables that an actor or a performer needs to be doing every single day if they want to unleash their true potential? Yeah. So I, I've thought about this. If that can be answered. I think, it, I, think it, I think I can just give you my 
um, experience mm-hmm. of working with actors and seeing those who are doing really well. I think it is energy, uh, maintenance and focus. And that again, that can be done in many different ways. What you say no to in your life is key mm. for any successful person. I've studied and like yourself, I've been around a lot of like successful entrepreneurs and working in the self-development space actually a lot and seeing people doing really, really well with that. And I've started to notice this, this is the same with actors that are doing very well. They know what they want to say no to and they say no to it. And I don't just mean about turning jobs, I mean everything. And I ask, and I ask every actor when a job comes up, when an opportunity comes up, to apply these three questions. And I, if it's okay with you, I'd love to give them to your listeners. Is Does it bring me joy? Does it help me grow? Does it pay me? Now, pay is very different based on whoever you are. You know, it really is. Um, but mm-hmm. pay and money, and, and, and it can pay in many different ways. So that's a whole different thing. Um, joy, does it, does it bring me joy? Am I going to be filled up by doing that? Is that experience with that person going to make or or that situation I put myself into, is that going to bring me joy? Does it help me grow? Am I going to grow and learn from that opportunity? And I think if you can discern what's happening in your life through those three questions, and at least have two of them as a hell, hell yes, I always think that's going to help you understand what is aligned with what you want to do for your career as well as your life. And it's going to help your mindset. And that will create a healthy mindset and it will help create a healthy creation of, of uh, and a conscious um, channeling of energy because so many times we're making choices unconsciously and that can be moving us away from what we want to do. So I'm not saying don't go for dinner with your friend because that dinner with your friend may be the most important thing to do that day for you. But it also may be getting in the way of something and it's just a balancing act. So it's learning to discern what to say no to. The other thing is doing as much as you can. Now, it's not an, and, that, and doing different things to do with your craft. So whether that's reading plays out loud every day, whether that is going to class, whether that is coaching, whether that is getting a group of friends around reading a play, whether that's going to theatre, doing, and again, consciously doing the things what you need to do consciously to inspire you and keep yourself ticking and changing them up so you don't just feel like, oh, I have to be doing this. That's the thing. And then I think the third thing which um, I always say is keep checking in with yourself as an actor to notice where are the holes in your toolbox. You know, Mm. you want to focus on what's working and become, you know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin, but just check in monthly. And that's what I've noticed. Good actors, actors doing it, will just notice, okay, I'm a bit rusty there. I've lost that in that area that I used to be good at. So it's just doing little inventories every every weekend and then if you're going to a coach or a class you're going to be knowing what you want to focus on a little bit more and actors who work with me do come are very good at identifying that's a problem and then they need to get better at that so I hope that's helpful but that's what I've noticed from the people who are getting the results the callbacks the job bookings going from guest star to leads or whatever the people that I'm interacting with and the people I've studied uh, you know closely comes from control doesn't it a bit you could go to a singing teacher or you could go to an acting coach or even a personal trainer and go I, I, I'm looking for this end result I know I need to work on this rather than kind of just being being pulled along like like a, a puppet and like with, with auditions you can say no because I'm actually wanting to go down that direction so I hear what you're saying it just gives you a lot more control and therefore you 
almost reclaim your power as a performer? Yeah, and those, I agree, reclaiming your power, claiming your why, checking with your why. And I think those questions, that joy, growth and pay, help you go, well, actually, what's it going to pay me? And I don't, and that's not always financial, that's something else. But it's, yeah, yeah. it's checking yeah. in because we do so many things that we have been told we should do rather than we know that we want to do, you know. Yeah, amazing. So some quick fire questions before before we round up. Theatre or film? Theatre. Do you prefer it? Theatre. Do you prefer Marlon Brando or Robert De Niro? If you could watch one. Oh, Brando. <laughs> In the next hour, yeah. Brando. Lame is or Miss Saigon? Oh, or Miss Saigon, I worked on it, so I have to say that. You have to say that. Galaxy or Dairy Milk? Oh, Dairy Milk. My granddad worked for Cadbury's. He was a chocolate mixer at Cadbury's. Really? So, yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd rise wow. from the dead and come and get me if I say Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and final question before we wrap off this amazing episode. One thing that you would tell or one bit of advice you would give a young performer who is just starting out, maybe they're just going to drama school or they're starting to audition, but one bit of advice you give a young performer? Oh, there's so many. I think notice what's around you and how it makes you feel. People, places, things. Tap into that. And that doesn't mean you can't be messy. You can't make me. You need to make mistakes. My goodness, that's one of the biggest things that my coaching sessions are about, about making mistakes. But if you, I've noticed that environment is everything for your mental, emotional and physical health. And I think if you want to really be the best that you can be, making sure what's around you is good for you is, um, and you don't always know that, but at least asking that question, if I could say, just check in with how that makes you feel and how the people and what you're doing and, and, and what you're interacting with makes you feel, then I think that's going to that's gonna help you. Amazing. So uh, Tom O'Brien, thank you very much. And if anyone wants to get Tom on uh, Instagram, then he will be um, linked to, to the podcast and stuff like that. And if anyone wants to use him as an acting coach, he's got an online course as well. He does in-person Zoom sessions. He's uh, yeah, a force to be reckoned with. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you.